0: So talk about investors loving what they heard from Best Buy today because, man, that stock is taking off. The retailer boosting its forecast after posting quarterly sales atop to estimates. Let's get into it with Matthew Boyle. He's U.S. retail reporter at Bloomberg News. He is in our Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio here right in New York. Wow.
1: Right? Whoa, yeah. well, you you're
2: dancing.
1: They're dancing in Minneapolis, good, I would imagine, too. Dance.
2: They've been doing that happy dance it's for the, some time. Yeah. yeah. Although last quarter uh, was not, it was a pretty rocky one. They I talked about uh, uncertainty in the back half of the year, and that got everybody spooked, saying, you know, is it tariffs? Is it, you know, the lack of a, a huge product like the Nintendo Switch? What's going on? So the shares are down to you know, today. They came out, calmed everybody with your proverbial beaten raise, just like their buddies Target did last week. Um, And things are looking pretty good for them going into the holidays. So
0: were we managed? Like what happened? I mean, stocks up 56%. Well, new CEOs,
2: CEOs, you want to set low expectations and clear them. Uh, They just had a big investor day as well in New York where they laid out a big five-year plan going deep into areas like healthcare that they've never been in. So there's a sense of the investors like, okay, are these guys, you know they're going to be able to to pull it off here, right? Um, but with the third quarter, no, it was just doing the things that they do well, fending off Amazon, um, and also building out new areas like their in-home advisors, where they will come to your house and recommend all sorts of various products. They're how gonna, how yeah. well is
0: that doing, that?
2: Well, um, I'm not a client. I don't yeah. think I uh, I don't think I'm on their target list of of clients. But they now have 720 uh, salespeople running around the country. Uh, selling all sorts of products, you know, TV services, and what they said today, which is interesting, they don't think they're getting enough business from New York City customers, hmm. probably because they don't just don't, don't have a lot of stores in the city, obviously, and so they're going to tailor this program just for city folk, which I find fascinating. Interesting. What exactly would they like do? Like
0: pull up at a trailer, like I, on I Park mean, Avenue, and say, "Hey, come check it out." Who
2: I mean, I'm sure. Pop up city- on their back. Like yes, no, exactly. a Best Buy
0: pop up, right? I
2: mean, you could do all sorts of things, but it's really about no, it's about bringing tech into. Your own home, your okay. apartment, your you know, yeah. uh, or your house, wherever you live, and but you know, do the needs of New Yorkers are going to be different from somebody out in right. Minneapolis or in Texas? I don't know, but they're testing and learning, and that's the interesting thing, and that's something you know that Amazon is currently not doing.
1: So remind us about this new CEO. She took over from Hubert Jolie, yeah. right? So um, Corey
2: was Hubert's protege, right? You know, uh, he had uh, groomed her, and she had learned also under the wing of the former CFO Sharon McCollum, who was really instrumental in their turnaround over okay. the past five years so she's got she's had some great teachers let's put it that way and I think the street really likes her I mean you know we have a and a with her every quarter she's very good at explaining things um you know I think she's gotten a very good recession that said though Hubert Jolie set a very high bar right. for her to clear And this holiday season is going to be a big test for her.
1: Well, and one of the things I remember from some of the reporting you did, I believe earlier this year, maybe late last year, was this whole idea of, you know, hug your enemies even closer, you know, them sort of figuring out how to deal with yeah, Amazon doing deals with Amazon, right. getting
2: basically into bed with, with Amazon, you know, selling the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the fire TV, um, having their own dedicated website, you know, on Amazon selling best buy branded insignia or store branded insignia products on and that's on Amazon. working and it has been working. I mean, you go onto Amazon type in what's the best selling TV more often than not. It's one of those, uh, products now granted it helps that Amazon is pushing it as well. And there's a lot of algorithms that go into the, you know, what it spits out. Um, but so far, yes, that that has worked for them. Is it going to work in the long run as Amazon gets ever more aggressive? We don't know. But right. for now, why doesn't stroked, Amazon just you know? buy them? Well, I mean well they're getting more expensive by the day yeah. with their yeah. shares up 12% yeah, today but I mean it's um, not
0: out of I mean they're what a 21 billion dollar market Amazon, cap?
2: look Amazon's trying to figure out food right now that's yeah. their biggest challenge you know they, they can handle consumer electronics that was one of their earliest markets right now it's like what, what, what are we going to do you right. know with our new grocery uh, chain and stuff like that so
0: you know what I think is interesting Matt about Best Buy, and you would know, because this is your world, but I mean, they are trying different things, right? They're yeah. not standing still. And I yeah. think that's what catches retailers that are really at a loss, is when they just don't do things yeah, and like try this, something differently. Yeah, like this
2: new program, they have to service any gadget you bought, no matter where you bought it. They call it Total Tech Support, mm-hmm. and they now have $2 million customers now are all of them happy you know we know what the challenge is with services like you know these warranties they make me buy these are great for retailers margins right um but if you're looking for, around for shopping and you've got a let's say you have a somebody you're buying for they don't want just another product they don't want another bit of plastic get them a service plan maybe and the tie all their products together mm. especially for a family or for an aging relative who doesn't right. understand technology as much that could be an interesting you know gift idea for them so and and
1: so how much... Of a bellwether is Best Buy when it comes to helping us anticipate what may happen in the holiday. I shopping mean, not season. as good a bellwether as a Walmart right. or a Target
2: because there's nothing like getting a stove under the Christmas tree. But think about what they're—I mean—they're selling you know the TVs that everyone's going to want on Black Friday. They even have gotten into toys, not in a huge degree, but once Toys R Us went under last year, you know there were electronic toys, right? Yeah, they're electronic toys, but also just run-of-the-mill toys. They were some of them last year. You know, anything to take a little bit more sales. So they are a fairly decent battle I mean, you're going to want to be looking at, you know, what sort of lines do they have outside their stores when they're, when they're opening up? What are people walking out with? What are they not walking out with? Again, that's the problem with consumer electronics. There's not a must have item this season. There, there's no Nintendo Switch. Even Fortnite last year. Remember the Fortnite game? Right. That gave a huge boost to Best Buy sales of headphones and stuff like that. Uh. So that's lacking this year. So how are they going to make up for that?
0: I mean, Matt, do, do most times when somebody walks into Best Buy, they come out with something versus just like looky-loos, just like, oh, let me see what it is before I show-rooming, go Showrooming, as they yeah, say. Yeah. There's,
2: there's always been a lot of showroom, but Best Buy, that's what uh, Jody did. You know, he made sure their prices were matched with Amazon so that, no, that, that showrooming was, you know, decreased, certainly. But yeah, there are some guys I love We'd probably just love to hang out in a Best Buy yeah. in the same way that a lot of guys love to hang out in a Home Depot. And not just guys. I mean people love to talk about Thank technology. You for saying that. Exactly. I love Home Depot. And the blue shirts at Best Buy know what they're talking about. Yeah. That's the thing. If you That's want right. to go in and talk about do I really they need informed- virtual reality? What about this ring, you know, doorbell, this smart home stuff is confusing me. They'll walk you through yeah. it, you know, and more often than not, you probably will walk out with something.
1: Right. All right. Great stuff. Matt Boyle, US retail reporter here at Bloomberg breaking it down as it relates to Best Buy, those shares surging best performer in the S&P. All right, you can never go wrong. A little steely Dan and very appropriate given that we are, call it 72 hours away from Black Friday, probably starting even earlier for some uh, who are especially eager. It's a big shopping day. Let's understand what we might see this year from Michael Osborne. He is president and CEO of Smarter HQ. He joins us on the phone from Austin, Texas, lovely city. Uh, So Michael, what can we expect? And happy pre-Thanksgiving.
3: Happy pre-Thanksgiving to you both as well. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, this, this year is a little different for retailers because they're dealing with a shorter time period between Black Friday and Christmas. So in order to address some of the, the distractions that consumers are going to get during that shorter time, what we've seen are a different set of tactics and techniques being used by retail, um, namely things like VIP-only sales, uh, preview to Black Friday sales, uh, as well as opening up Black Friday window early, just period starting it a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, we've seen a lot more of that up until today, actually. Just this morning, I started to see in my inbox a lot of Black Friday titled emails, yeah. email, uh, which is very different than in prior years where you see those kinds of things earlier leading up to the big day. But I, I think what retailers are trying to do this time is take advantage of the fact that there is a lot of distraction in that time period. It's a condensed time period this year. And, and they're trying to gain, gather attention for their sales early. Uh, well, I know that I per- personally joined a few of those because I, I, I got got the email early right. I decided, you know what, I need it. So, yeah, I think that's And the, I have uh,
0: to say, Michael, leading up to this, um, both through the mail and online, I've gotten a bunch of things where they're like the cutoff date is – even like it was this past Monday or something, like really kind of getting a jump on things to try and kind of get the the needle moving. And I think it is because Black Friday is so late. So I've been seeing it pretty aggressively um, by a lot of retailers trying to get you to to step up to the plate. Is it going to be better deals for consumers in terms of markdowns? I think we've all gotten so accustomed to just kind of waiting.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to necessarily be any different as far as the magnitude of some of the discounts and the types of sales they're running. I think the messaging is different. I think that the smarter retailers are personalizing those messaging messages rather a lot more. I think they're taking advantage of understanding their consumers a little better. Uh, I know I've gotten some very specific promotions around product categories or brands that I personally browse a lot. Uh, I think they're taking advantage of that data that they have on the consumer in a different way. Right. Uh, I I haven't seen anything crazy as far as like you know 70% off site wide those kinds of blanket sales, but. To be honest, it's not the time of of the season yet to see those kinds of promotions. Um, Those usually come far later in and much closer to the last shipping day. And so,
1: Michael, you know, putting on our investor hat here for a second, we always look at Black Friday as a window into how retail is performing generally in consumer sentiment. Uh, you guys are in the business of data in a lot of ways. What are some ways that we should be thinking of slicing and dicing the data as we start to synthesize Black Friday, Cyber Monday and all of that? Where will we see uh, sort of the best indicators of how the consumer is feeling?
3: Yeah, I think the, the the best indicators are obviously overall spend, and and most uh, most data that I've seen, as far as projections go, say it's going to be a good year. Yeah, um, there's a lot of retailers that have reported earnings recently that have done very well. A few that haven't, um, and you know there's strategy reasons behind some of those underperforms, um, but many are doing very well. Consumer index is generally strong. The economy is generally strong, uh, so I, I feel like the data that will be more interesting, as it has been over the last couple of years in its trends, will be the mix of how consumers are shopping whether it's online in-store and especially mobile for online um, and i think there will be some more interesting generational statistics around the types of consumers by generation and what they're doing but i generally think this is going to be a strong retail season i don't think there's going to be data that come out that that say okay the you know the economy's turning on us right. because it's, Because the consumer is generally strong right now, and I think we're going to see that reflected in this retail season.
0: Well, that's interesting because I think we've heard mixed things about maybe it's not going to be as robust as it was last year, and that in general, the consumer, which has been propping up the economy, you know, might be starting to, you know, weaken up a little bit. But you're saying you don't see that?
3: No, generally, we don't. Um, I think that the The story gets more specific, though, and more interesting when you look at individual categories of types of products that folks are buying this season, and specifically which brands are performing well versus others. Uh, The earnings releases lately have shown which retailers get it, which retailers have a better strategy, um, which ones are understanding of the consumer's desire to shop online and then pick up in store, for instance. And I think you're going to see a lot of the promotional strategies reflect that intelligence on their consumers that those brands have. Uh, but I don't think categorically it's going to be a down year for retail.
1: Right. All right. Some nice optimism there. Michael Osborne, President CEO of Smarter HQ, joining us on the phone from Austin, Texas. We shall see. I mean, we'll have, obviously, have we a lot of shopping? real-time coverage. No. God, no. Okay. No. I'm thinking, though. Yeah. I'll nice. take advantage of some sales this weekend.
0: I bet you will. I'm giving you
1: All right. So politics, markets, we like to see where they intersect. We also like to see when big, well-known investors are essentially making a call. And that's what this story is all about. Katie Greifeld here with us, FX and rates reporter for Bloomberg here in our Bloomberg Interactive Brokers studio. And she's got a really interesting story about how one investor at least is starting to take some action looking ahead to 2020. Hello.
4: Hi, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. So tell us about Scott Besson over at Key.
4: So what's really interesting about this story is you've seen a lot of big hedge fund names come out and make calls such as the S&P is going to drop 25% if Warren, you know, takes the presidency. Senator
1: Elizabeth Warren, of course, with the leading uh, Democratic candidates at the moment.
4: Yes. And Scott Besson at Key Square is actually putting money behind it. Um, So he's actually looking at the dollar rather than equities. And he's saying that now is a really good time to short the dollar. FX volatility is extremely low. It's near a five-year low. And that makes these dollar put options pretty inexpensive. So, you know, should Warren start to gain even more traction in the polls, he thinks that would drag down the dollar.
1: And just quickly remind us who Scott Besson is, because his track record, his sort of heritage on wall street is well known
4: right yes yeah. so well he,
1: regarded i should say maybe not well known well regarded
4: well let me tell you about it so he spent most of his career with george soros at soros fund management and he's got some pretty respectable fx chops he, he made about a billion dollars in late 2012 early 2013 on a bet that the yen would fall right so he's experienced in this area
0: how have been his calls though since then
4: that's a good question. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out. And uh, Square was launched in 2016, so less of a track record there. But it's about $4.5 billion assets under management right now, and $2 billion of that initial money came from George Soros. Right. I do
0: think it's interesting, too, to make a bet, because we've been talking to a lot of individuals, too, about, like, when is the time to start making that election bet? Like, when is the time to start thinking about that? And a lot of folks have said it's too early. I mean, it is a risky bet because you don't know the race is still very
4: crowded. Exactly, yeah, it is risky, and that, I mean, it's so interesting 12 months out to see this yeah. come through, but that just ties back to that volatility angle that it's pretty inexpensive to make this bet now, and if you look at the letter that was sent to investors, uh, he makes it pretty clear that markets are already in a fragile place, in mm-hmm. his view, that some of the factors that have drawn overseas investors to the U.S. Um, are starting to fade, such as, you know, superior economic growth, technological Technological leadership, uh, he sees those factors fading already, and even the threat of a war in presidency, as he puts it, would see this exodus of capital.
1: Well, and he also pointed out in that letter, which I found very interesting, sort of the historical precedent here in terms of when, when ultimately, sort of the bets are made and when they pay off, and when the essentially like the rising and falling tends to happen, and a lot of it is already baked in by the time the election actually happens, right?
4: Exactly, yeah. He had a great example of Ronald Reagan. So he was looking at stocks and in the seven months ahead of the 1980 election, stocks gained 31%. So his point is that Most of the moves that you're going to see, they're going to be in the months before election, which is also part of the reason why he's moving now.
0: Right, right, right. Certainly, as we get closer and closer, right, people are more willing to make the bets or you feel like you have more maybe
4: clarity, perhaps.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) And so as you look around, just to broaden it out a a little bit, as you're sitting there on the on the FX desk and talking to your colleagues, as we get toward the end of the year, like what are the sort of key themes that people are thinking about talking about and as you talk to investors out there?
4: Well, it's the constant question of where's the dollar gonna, yeah. going to go next, since that's really the key to the US, or to the FX universe. And uh, I would say it's a pretty lively debate right now. But most of the people I talk to are feeling lightly bearish, at least on the lightly dollar. bearish. Yeah, but let's remember that's been the weak dollar call has been the call of the year for yeah. like the past I three was just years, say, right? So it's it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but most people are looking to trade that's the big question that's going to inform all their fx calls and it's really hard to have a lot of conviction right now when but, we don't know what's going to happen. but
0: risk reward if you're willing to ante up
4: this far in advance you know
0: there could be an incredible reward if your call is right right yeah
4: there's it's again if you want to buy dollar puts right now it's pretty cheap. cheap exactly
0: but that's that's you know whether you're doing is there a lot of you know i do wonder too um katie is there a lot of talk On Wall Street, when it comes to people kind of picking positions at this point, is everybody still, for the most part, that it's too early?
4: I mean, in terms of the next year ahead, or yeah, yeah, Yeah. in terms of
0: the election outcome and thinking about what, what you know, who might ultimately end up there, and then what kind of policies follow as a result, and then of course it also has its contingent too on what the outcome is in Congress.
4: Well, so that's interesting. So Scott is definitely, or Besant rather, is definitely one of the first people I've seen who's actually putting a trade on, you know, yeah. you've seen a lot of commentary from sell side analysts, you know, game planning, what different candidates might look like, but I really haven't seen anyone other than Scott Besson who has actually put a trade on trying right. to capitalize on whatever market reaction there may be.
1: Right. Absolutely. All right. So last question for you, uh, cause we have been asking everybody this favorite pie ahead oh, of uh, Thanksgiving.
4: This is a you're p- a
1: runner, so I feel like the the world is your oyster <laughs> when you it comes. You can eat as bet. much pie. Can't, can't hedge your Yeah, bet. no hedging. No
4: hedging. Uh, you know, I've only had it a few times, but sweet potato pie. Is- oh, wow, strong fantastic. call. Strong call. I've we haven't heard that one. i tried to make it myself, and it's never turned out. But when well you, done, yeah, yeah, yeah nicely Thank you. done. You're Kidding the first perfect. one to, to yeah, weigh yeah, in on good. that. that's good.
1: Everybody's just sort of, and I love pumpkin pie. Everybody defaults to pumpkin, which is cool, or pecan,
0: pecan. Is if I pecan. I say pecan, I get in trouble. I know. She gets in <laughs> trouble with Jason, every southerner.
1: Yeah, my mom. Oh, no. Who's a frequent listener. I hope you're not uh, really right now. does not like it when Carol mispronounces. <laughs> Pecan. Katie Greifeld, thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Uh, FX and rates reporter for Bloomberg. A great story, one of the most read on the terminal, because we are starting to get this yeah. sense of people, you know, even outside of the election, trying to figure out what 2020 holds. Obviously, politics sits on top of so many conversations, mm-hmm. but... You think about where we were this time last year, thinking about 2019. We'll go
0: back to 2016 when yeah. the markets initially, certainly the equity markets, I mean, everybody kind of freaked out. We saw a big sell off and then we ended up with a rally. So it's like just when you after think after the you, election? Yeah, yeah, after the 2016 election. Yeah. So just when you think you've figured out how investors are going to read something, you know, then it plays out differently. And I feel like we all learned some big lessons last time around.
5: And I might not feel this good again.
3: So, come so Jason has been calling you. this
0: Coy's joy. Uh, three months ago, though, it wasn't so joyful. The U.S. economic outlook did not look so good. Today, we definitely feel a little bit differently. So, let's get into this story, which is one, in the magazine, it's a double issue, and we've been talking a lot about uh, Peter Coy's story. It's on newsstands, online and at Bloomberg.com, at BloombergBusinessWeek.com. Economics editor Peter Coy here to tell us about it, along with Jill Weber, Bloomberg Business Week editor, both in our Bloomberg Interactive broker. Studio, Don't you think that's kind of nice, Joel? Koi's joy?
5: Koi's joy. <laughs>
6: <laughs> so,
0: Peter, tell us about this. Well, first of all, go back three months. Uh, you know, the sell-off yes. in the markets. Everybody thought everything was coming was undone in terms time. of the U.S. economy.
6: Like summer was a dark time, and and, and uh, late November is a bright time, and that's just kind of special. Um, <laughs> so, no, okay, what we're okay, we're done. Okay, no. we're done. No, but so in the summer, remember, we had the inversion of the yield curve. Right. And that was where the 10-year yield fell below the two-year yield, which was considered to be a very strong sign of an impending recession. And I I won't rule that out. It could be that uh, this is still a a good signal. But right now, that's not the way things are looking. Uh, First of all, the yield curve became uninverted, went back to its normal shape. Uh, And second, we've had two more Federal Reserve rate cuts since then. Plus, the one that had occurred right before then, which I don't think people had fully, like, really discounted in stock right. prices. So, th- if anything, you have to pick out monetary policy as being the thing that has helped the stock market since then. I think it's really interesting because of,
5: ba- I mean, the way the markets have played this. Like, I'm looking at it now. NASDAQ, year-to-date, 30. S&P, 500, 25. Dow, 20. It just felt like, you know, in August, all the air was coming out of yeah. the balloon. Yeah. And here we are a couple months later, and it's like, you know, there's everything feels, like, buoyant again. You know, there's yeah, and the trade stuff is still in the background. Like, right. No, it's
6: not like problems have gone away. So, right. like, uh, the trade war is still with us, but it has not intensified. I mean, it's roughly as bad as it was back then, which is mm-hmm. not good at all. Um, the... An- another uh, big change is just the uh, buying of bonds, the, the mm-hmm. European Central Bank. So it's not just the U.S. The ECB has resumed uh Acquiring bonds to pull down the long end of their yield curve, kind
0: of easy money once again globally, right? Yeah, or yeah. still.
6: Joel and I have a project working on that too, so we can't. We don't want to avoid too much, but that's coming in next wow. month. Yeah, wow. wow. That's a deep tease, I love guys. the deep tease when you guys
5: come into well, the studio. so it, it, I think it it speaks to the 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 overall climate that we're in, right? And and I think this relates to I think you know in many ways like the we work kind of story is story of the year in some ways. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of funny money out there. And like things get weird when there's that much money sloshing yeah. around. That's yeah, great. right?
1: Yeah. And that's so good. is that going to change anytime soon? I mean, this sort of, I, I do think this like world full of liquidity, I feel like we've been, that's a story of 2019 in a lot of ways. I've read it about it in Bloomberg Business Week. Or 19. the past decade, but yeah. Yeah, right.
0: A lot of it in private equity, right? We talk about the private markets versus public.
6: But so does any of that change? Um, it's not as if the, the the central banks of the world are going to suddenly decide to become austere. Right. And, and the last thing they want to do is provoke a global recession. So we're going to have probably easy monetary policy for some time to come. I mean, the U.S. policy, we actually have positive interest rates in the U.S., which used to be Anomaly. <laughs> completely normal. And now it's where the outlier Anomaly. versus uh, – Japan and uh, Western Europe. So uh, look at the pricing. I I just did a chart this afternoon looking at the high-yield spreads over treasuries, and they've come way down. They're not at historical record lows, but uh, if you take out the energy sector where the spreads are wide because so many people are worried about the energy companies going under – then they really are especially narrow. So that, what that says is that people are reaching for yield, they're going for things like high yield because they can't get any return on sort of safer securities. And that's always a warning sign that uh, there could be trouble ahead.
5: What about the rest of sort of the the
6: difference between the U.S. and the international side, Peter? Like, yeah, what, what else have you noticed? Well, uh, the one thing that's this, sticking with this theme of the different difference in interest rates is that it, it tends to cause money to come into the U.S., pushes up the dollar, which all else equal hurts the U.S. on trade because makes our goods more expensive for the rest of the world and makes foreign goods cheaper. Um, we Actually, so the the euro and yen have held up more better than you might have expected given that yield differential, but then there's also inflation. So it, it's, it's not a good thing. That's, that's why Trump is constantly complaining that uh, interest rates are too high in the U.S., the dollar's too right. strong.
0: I do wonder if in three months from now, I wonder what our discussion will be. Well,
5: you know, winter is coming, but that's not always ominous, evidently. Yeah, right? Apparently not. Yeah, that's apparently
1: true. not. All right. Well, a very upbeat story. Uh, maybe not Koi's joy, Koi's sort of muted joy. Yes. Joy to the, the always, world. Joy to the Koi. <laughs> All right. Peter Koi, economics editor for Bloomberg Business Week. Joel Weber, editor of Bloomberg Business Week, both here in our Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio. I'm
4: rather my car.
0: Is the drive to the close that punk music
2: will drive us till the dawn on Bloomberg Radio?
0: It is time for the drive to the close on this Tuesday. Hillary Kramer is back with us, President and Chief Investment Officer at A and G Capital Research. She rejoins us in our Bloomberg Interactive Broker studio, and this is we're seeing the equity averages take a little bit of a leg higher uh, in these final few minutes of uh, the trading day. Nice to have you back with us. Yeah. Pleasure. So tell me, I gotta be honest with you. I am blown away by the gains that we've seen in stocks. And I do wonder um, how smart we need to be and do the fundamentals that are out there in terms of valuations, earnings, revenue growth, um, the backdrop, the market backdrop, the economic backdrop. Does any of it, does it make sense to you? It makes sense, but
7: is it right? No. What's going on... Well, first of all you know there are so many investors that have been forced including the large institutions that have just been forced into equity so you're, one is forced into equity because they can't get the kind of returns they need to get you know with a guaranteed um, you know making sure the money's guaranteed so equity has been the way that the investments are headed, but the other problem is is that there's this like group think going on Mm -hmm. and everyone just keeps bringing the market higher and higher and higher. And it was really interesting. One thing that's fascinating today, financials, 44 financials hit new highs and only two hit new lows. So what does that tell you? You know, they are making a lot of money, the banks, and they're extending a lot of credit and they're very, very active. So I think that, there's so much that it's wrong. I mean, basically, our economy is driven by the Fed. And I know everyone's always saying that, but it is. It's driven by the Fed having rates well, so low. Peter Coy on, in his
0: story in the yeah. magazine this week talking about, you know, it's not only the U.S. central bank, but you see it in other central banks around the world. In of terms course. Of money. But yeah. Right.
1: And so, Hillary, we saw quite a merger Monday yesterday. Neither of the big deals were unanticipated, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carol uh, gave us a little bit of a preview last week when she sat down with the Tiffany CEO and uh, pressed him on that, what turned, about he, turned out to be uh, not just rumored, but actual deal. to give deal. it back to you,
0: you talked to Charles Schwab several weeks ago, and he too talked about consolidation. Right. So
1: there are a lot of things going on out there in the markets. These deals are obviously pretty distinct, but what do you make of deals at this point in the cycle, at this point in the year, and, and maybe in these industries?
7: Okay, in terms of the year most of the investment bankers their year ends november 30th their bonus is based on november right. 30th so they're just rushing in to get these transactions done as fast as they possibly can we're also seeing these smaller deals take place right. in it okay in addition to the schwab Ameritrade. trade okay tiffany's lvmh right so novartis buys medicinus and you're gonna and you're gonna see a lot of this going on um you know but and and it's not over there may be some mergers that are coming between now and november 30th but it's really a um it is a the the mergers still aren't on that kind of scale that you would say, whoa, you know, there hasn't been something that's that's unbelievable in 2019, which is interesting because companies can just, you know, use their uh, use their stock.
1: Right. Yeah. Or borrow or borrow cash valuable. cheap.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about names that you think are interesting. Um, oh, yes. So where do you think what would be a name that you would think is a good time for investors to get into right oh, now. Oh, I
7: have a whole bunch of them, Carol, we always run out of time. I know, so go. Okay, Sanofi, <laughs> S-N-Y, French Pharmaceutical Company. There's a 3.7% dividend yield. Vaccine, Sanofi is the global provider of vaccines. Everything from DNT to, I mean, even like rabies, okay? They are the leader in it and continue to roll out vaccines. You really want to be in Sanofi. Um, Then the other place to be is I am a firm believer that we had a lot of like um, IPOs that just came out of the chute and just like nobody paid attention to them. They just didn't get the money allocated. And a lot of it was because they are good companies and are going to do well. One is VIR. VIR, when public is backed by Bill Gates, uh, VR, and, bi- VIR bi- biotechnology is it? Yeah, that it's one? A, it's, yeah. Vi- VIR biotechnology. What's interesting here? A Goldman Sachs, amongst other syndicated, um, you know, people. I mean, like the top, the top backers in it. And this, this is of course, is also for flu and for you know, a it's vaccine. Down, is so, it down
0: forty-one okay, percent since its IPO?
7: It's down forty-one percent, but earlier. Last week, you had Goldman Sachs come out and say when it was like, $13 that there was 167% upside and since then it's just drifted down but a lot of it is the t- tension just isn't there and it will turn to it. Doesn't it make sense to know? What do they gonna... do?
0: What do they do? Vaccines.
7: Oh, vaccines. It's, for the flu. This yeah. is flu season. Okay. Look, everyone is, you know, it's going to be that reactive kind of macro investing that's going to take place. Oh, and if things get bad, I just want to jump around here. If things get bad, you know that like waste management, everyone's going to be jumping into that and Hormel, HRL. Because, of course, we think that as soon as the market goes down, everyone's going to be eating spam for the rest of their lives, right. you know. And that's what keeps HRL, you know, really a predominantly significant company and a really Seriously? great one to own.
0: Come on. with all uh-huh. Like, we're talking about healthier food and stuff. You think Hormel is still... Yeah,
7: also... They have, I actually met the person who runs uh, acquisitions, the internal mergers and acquisition person, and they are on the hunt. And if you take a look at their brands, you'll see that they've continued, you know, Hormel has continued to expand using a lot of, you know, using their, their stock and making investments along the way. Other invest, uh, the other place that you really want to be, I think defense is, I mean, you want those stocks, you yeah. want to be in the defense stocks, Raytheon, not UTX side, but Raytheon, you know, once the deal is done, Raytheon is amazing because they have that whole like, you know, like kind of like Raytheon
0: e-systems. Okay? Already up so 42% this year and you've got a that, dividend on top of it.
7: <laughs> that's right. And it's, and it's going to go higher. I mean, that's the, I think that's one of the big important lessons for all investors, just because something's up 100% on the year doesn't mean it can't go up 200%. I mean, take a look at how Microsoft has performed. And, and, you know, Mr. Softy, MSFT, it's up 45% on the year, you know, just when you think it can't go up higher. Actually, you know, what's really interesting is retail. Um these retailers, okay, we know the best buy story, right. came out with earnings, you know, um they got it higher for the fourth quarter, stocks up twenty nine percent on the year. But Burlington stores up fifty two percent on the year and I've seen them move into the Kmarts. Right. and and I know that it's it's been embraced by the shopping community. Right. I mean, of course we know Disney's going to be up because that's a go-to. Okay, you have to stop now. you got a lot of
0: names and we got to go to a break. (laughs) Oh, no. We always love catching up with you.
1: We'll catch up with you before the end of the year, we're sure, because we want to get your take on everything that's happening in that between Thanksgiving and Christmas period, especially in retail. Hillary Kramer, president and CIO of Angie, thank you so much.